0: Well, once again, dear church family, we have in these verses today's narrative, the beginning of the Lord's ministry amongst men. The beginning of the Lord Jesus Christ's ministry amongst men here in Matthew 4. The Lord Jesus confirmed his ministry by these spectacular miracles which were beyond dispute. He authenticated his ministry by these amazing Miracles. And this, of course, as it says in verse 24, aroused the attention of all across Syria. His fame went out across Syria. And notice, dear friends, in verse 17, the way in which our Lord commenced his mighty gospel work. Verse 17 says that he began to preach. He began to preach. You see, it has always been the primary means of God to use the word of God in the salvation and edification of souls. That's always been the case. Right throughout the ages, the primary means whereby people are saved and built up in the faith is through the word of the living God. Remember the Apostle Paul's words to young Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 5. Preach the word be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Preach the word, says the apostle to young Timothy. It has always been the primary means by which the Lord has used to save precious souls. Of course, the brightest days in the church of Jesus Christ have been the days where the word of God has been honoured. And the darkest days in the church of Jesus Christ have been the days where the word of God has been lightly Esteemed it says in one Samuel three: one in this respect, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Remember Samuel, who Hannah dedicated unto the Lord, under, under that godly man, Samuel, the word of God was precious to Israel, that Israel prospered. they, were, they knew of God's protection, they knew of God's blessing. But you see, as, as Samuel got older and the nations round about them, they got, they got these mighty kings and the chariots and the horses. Well, the people started to look to the outward strength. They, they wanted a king, you see, like, with all the outward pomp and all the ceremony. Well, we want a king like that. They looked at poor old Samuel now, in which the, they, they, they were blessed. They looked upon him with contempt. The Lord had protected them, the Lord had blessed them, they knew of God's victories through the, the preciousness of the word, but now they were looking to the outward strength, the, to the, the, the ceremony, to the, the pomp, to the externals. And you see, dear friends, that was a dark day when the word of God started to become lightly esteemed. And I believe we are living in such days, dark days, where the word of God is lightly esteemed. Now, friends, what was the doctrine? which the Lord Jesus Christ proclaimed to the world. What was, what was the foundations of what he preached? It was the doctrine of repentance towards God and faith in his precious son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus says in verse 17, the very first word he says in his ministry when he began, began to preach, repent, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, friends, the the warning ministry is a much despised ministry nowadays. Yes, all of God's servants must encourage, we must exhort, we must uh, uh, encourage and comfort God's people. But there must be a warning ministry as well, a searching ministry. The first word that the Lord Jesus said in his ministry was, repent, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so we see here the necessity of repentance as one of the great foundations of the Christian faith. You see, the man who trusts in uncertain riches and materialism, friends, he must repent over giving his heart to things that will not last in the end, empty things, things that will just make themselves wings and fly away. He must repent over uncertain riches and he must put... His faith and trust in riches in heaven, build up treasures in heaven, in the riches that came from heaven, Christ. The adulterer, dear friends, in the heart, and the idolater must repent over their love of the creature, more than the love of God. They must see Christ, dear friends, in his beauty. The light of the, the gospel must shine in their hearts, and they must see their love of the creature, their, their love. Of how it's taken them, them away from their Creator. And they must repent and be reconciled to their Maker and turn to God, turn to Christ. The drunkard and the substance abuser, friends, they must turn from the bottle and from the substance abuse. They must repent over that which has taken them away from God, that which has taken them away from being sober. And being cleansed by the fountain of life. You see, the drunkard and the substance abuser must turn from their drunkenness. Must turn from their, their, their substance abuse. And, I, and I'm not pointing the finger because this was me. I was often drinking. I was often in these things. They must turn from their, the, the, the bottle. They must turn from the substance. And they must repent over it. And they must believe in the gospel. The thief, dear friends, must repent over their robbing, over their fellow man and of God. They must repent and receive the free gift of salvation. And then they must give to God the glory due to his holy name. You see, friends, the worldly wise man, whether it be the Pharisee or the academic The philosopher, the psychologist, the secular scientist, the power hungry politician or entrepreneur, they must all repent of thinking that worldly honors will gain them favor with God. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. For it is written, Let no man deceive himself. Any man among you who seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool. That he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own counsel. 1 Corinthians 3. Friends, repentance is no light matter. It must be preached and pressed upon all classes and all rank of people without exception and without partiality. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us. We must preach this doctrine without partiality and press it upon all peoples. We all have broken God's holy laws, which are meant for our good. And this means, dear friends, that we're all under God's wrath, all of us. God must punish sin. He must punish our law-breaking. He must punish these things. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9-10, through 10, and this is God's word, by the way. This is, this is not me. This is God's word that says this. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortionists, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And that's all of us, dear friends, by nature. We have all coveted. We've all broken God's holy laws. And therefore we must all repent and be converted. If we would be truly and soundly saved, we must repent. We must, sin must become serious to us. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy, says Proverbs twenty-one, thirteen. We must be washed and sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God, as it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 11. Friends, true repentance is a thorough change of heart about your sin and about my sin. Sin must become real to us. There must be a true change of heart within us. We must understand that it is our sin that separates us from a holy God. If we do not repent over our sin and forsake it, dear friends, we're not we're not truly converted. There must be a seriousness in our. There must be a time where sin becomes real to us that we see we see that it separated us from a holy God. And it has ruined not only our relationship with God, but it ruins our relationship with other people as well. Sin, if not dealt with, dear friends, will lead us to hell. Remember the Pharisee and the publican, which our brother eloquently spoke of last week. The publican hitting his hands upon his breast, as it were. Hitting, as to say, my heart is the problem. My heart is, is, is the cause of sin, is a fountain of sin. That's what needs to be dealt with. He was hitting his hand upon his breast as to say, I wish I could tear this heart out. And friends, that's what we, we, we need to come to. We need to get to the point where we address where our sin comes from. It comes from our sinful hearts. We need a new heart. Friends, there are literally whole books that are, are written about the doctrine of repentance whole books going into detail the absolute necessity of repentance. And repentance is not just a lightning bolt moment. You know, there's a growing philosophy. It's just a lightning bolt moment and then you're saved. Repentance is an ongoing attitude of heart and mind towards the Lord. Sin, dear friends in the Bible, is personified as many things, but one thing is it's, it's personified as a bad employer. It promises much, doesn't it? I remember I used to work at a company many, many years ago and had a new CEO at this company. And the CEO brought in all very stringent rules, um, slashed everyone's pay straight away and brought in these very unrealistic targets and rules. And, and what he did, lots of people started leaving. But then what he did was when new people came, he threw a party for, for, for new people. And so people oh, this is a great place to work. Throwing a, and that's what the devil does. He's a bad employer, employer friends. He promises so much as that we, he dangles a carrot in front of our, our eyes. But, but friends, the wages of sin is death. If, if sin is not truly repented of and forsaken, it will lead to death and an eternal separation from God. The Lord Jesus Christ said, repent, we must repent. Repentance, like I said, dear friends, is not just a one-off lightning bolt moment, as some would suggest. It is an ongoing uh, attitude of heart and minds. unless the grape is pressed. How will we know what's in the grape, as it were? There's, the, there's this... Uh, growing attitude of, well, we need to be empowered by the Spirit. We need to become these super-Christians. We don't, we don't need to, to repent of our sins anymore. We don't need to become serious about our sins. You should stop speak, preaching this negative ministry. We, there's this We need to be empowered. We, we need to become these super-Christians. Dear friends, we, we need to be careful about this. Let us notice also, friends, that true repentance never works alone. It never works alone. It always is by faith. These two graces are closely ma- married together. Repentance and faith. They're, they're inseparable. And this is exactly what we see in today's narrative. Notice the class of men who the Lord Jesus chose to be his disciples. Verse 18. They were of the poorest and humblest of rank of society. They were just poor, rough fishermen. Peter, James, John, and Andrew were all fishermen. Poverty and ignorance, dear friends, excludes thousands from high office, doesn't it? In this pagan western world that we're living in. But not so with Christ. It pleased Christ to choose a bunch of poor, rough fishermen. As it says in 1 Corinthians 1, 1.26.28, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh... Not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world, and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Has a man been sufficiently humbled over their sin do they see their sin for what it is do, do does he feel or she feel his sin does he see his unworthiness of god's salvation remember the uh, the apostle peter he said depart from me depart from me for i am a sinful man O oh lord you see he saw him he saw himself so unworthy of god's salvation Is he willing to hear Christ's voice by faith and leave all and follow him? Does he count the honours of this world but dung that he may win Christ? You see, friends, when we know Christ's, we know Christ's doctrine is from heaven because it did not flatter the rich, nor the learned, nor the great. Only Christ can take a bunch of poor fishermen and literally turn the world upside down. Only he can do that. He, he, He did not come to flatter he came to, to speak the truth, that we may be set free. Look at the great empires of old, with all their great temples and philosophers and, and honours, dear friends, and they all lay firmly in the dust now. And look at the, the poor despised fishermen and their gospel. And never, were this, never was there such an uneven matched party, was there? Two parties. Yet we see, don't we, the weak prevailed over the strong as it were, the strong proved weak, the, the fishermen and, and their gospel, that which is despised in the world's eyes, they, they, they're still conquering today, the gospel. The younger prevailed over the elder, and they all did it by true repentance and faith in Christ. All this world's honours are worth nothing, friends, without grace, without true repentance towards God and faith and belief in his Son, And this begs the question, doesn't it? What are the hindrances to true repentance and faith? What are the hindrances? Well, today I just want to deal with one hindrance which we see, which which has been taken out of context in this chapter. One such great distraction and hindrance is the misuse of miracles. The misuse of miracles which has wrought confusion For countless souls. And has led to the ruin of multitudes of people's faith. The miracles by which our Lord confirmed his mission. In today's narrative. Are miracles of mercy and kindness. Which authenticated who he was. He was the son of the living God. He was almighty. Christ's miracles are meant to teach us of our Lord's power, of who he is. He that could heal the sick with a touch and cast out devils with a a word is able to save us to the uttermost, all those who draw near to him through Christ. He is almighty, friends. These miracles are are meant to be types and emblems of the Lord's skill as a spiritual physician. Physician. It's not for us to be mini-gods, as it were. It's meant to point us to Christ, who is a spiritual physician. You see, salvation, dear friends, is a supernatural miracle that takes place. It is a miracle that any one of us should be saved and converted because of our sin, because of our rebellion, because we've used and abused what God has given us. It's a miracle. You see, we who are blind in trespasses and sins friends we, we were blind to the things of God we needed to be woken up we needed a Christ to put the, the soul upon our eyes to see as it were the, the earth and the, the sin of our hearts and to see him for who he is he needed to open up our eyes Christ needed to do that because we were blind we were deaf dear friends we didn't want to hear Christ's words we were deaf we were dumb we were, we were dumb to the things of God. We were sick and diseased by our sin. And friends, we are now cured by the blood of Jesus Christ that washes us from all sin. The miracles point, dear friends, to, to, to emblems, types and emblems. We who are dead and trespasses and sins are now made alive because Jesus Christ died and suffered in our stead and rose from the dead. And has given us the Holy Spirit. As it says in Ephesians 2. You hath he quickened. Who are dead in trespasses and sins. We, we were dead. We could not arouse ourselves. Christ had to give us sight. Christ had to give us ears to hear. Christ had to, 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 to make the way which we couldn't make. We were lame. Christ had to bring us to newness of life. We could not do that. These miracles authenticate who Christ is. And who we are by nature. And the Lord's miracles authenticate who Christ is and they picture what we are like by nature. We are blind and deaf and dumb and lame and dead by nature to the things of God. And forgive me, friends, for labouring upon this point, but I I think this is absolutely necessary because there is a growing voice amongst many Bible-believing Christians or Reformed Christians or Conservative Christians, call them what you will, and even seminaries now that are now legitimizing and even endorsing the unbiblical and divisive sign gifts of the charismatic movement. We must, we must, friends, uh, raise up a standard against this. This continues to undermine the integrity of the Bible, God's most precious word. It continues to take people away from true repentance and, and treating their sin for what it is and faith. In Jesus Christ and what he has done and in his promises. We're not these super Christian, We're not this, these empowered Christians that have no need of repentance. There's much of that nowadays. This, dear friends, undermines the infallibility and inerrancy of the scriptures. It even undermines the very nature of who God is. That he is the God of all truth. And he is the Holy Spirit of all truth, dear friends. It undermines him. That he can lie. This is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And it isn't even conceivable that there are so-called fallible prophets amongst us. That can take us away from the word of God. And can bring some new revelation. It's blasphemy friends. It really is. Paul said he was the last of the prophets and he meant it. We We must be very clear about this. During the Reformation, the Roman Catholic Church used so-called miracles as a critical attack on the Reformers, to take them away from true repentance and faith in Christ, justification by faith alone, in Christ alone. That's what they did. They did that to try to, to take people away, to, disc, to discount what the work that God was doing, the glorious doctrines of the Reformation. And we see that still happening today. In the 1967, I think it was, the Catholic Charismatic Renewal Movement ushered in the same attack, a counter-reformation. They brought confusion. This, this brings confusion to so many young people. It, 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 it just, it's put so many people off. I, I personally know so many people have been put off. I, as a Christian... Before I was a Christian, where I used to work, there was lots of charismatic Christians, and they put me completely off by, by these things. I, I, there was one, one young person who used to come to this church when we first begun, and he was taken away because he was told that he has to read Ezekiel and he 's got to have these visions, he 's got to have these special gifts. that 's really what it's about to be a Christian. And dear friends, it takes people away from simple repentance. And being serious over their sin and faith in Christ, that He is the Son of God come to save us from our sins. You you see, friends, I I, I believe we are living in days now. if, If you have a close inspection of church history, you'll see that those who usher in such movements and heresies such as this, like Edwin Irving, if you have a close inspection they're often very gifted and intelligent men and you see they get very they very quickly get bored of repentance and faith simple repentance and faith and they must bring something else to the table well we need something else we need something additional we need we need some movement as it were instead of simple faith and repentance we need to get back to that friends friends in closing the lord's miracles are intended to show us Christ's heart to sinners like you and I. It's meant to show us Christ's heart to sinners like you and I. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ rejected no one who truly drew nigh to him in repentance, true repentance and faith. He refused no one, no matter their background, their poverty, their sickness, their status, their past failures. There is no kindness, dear friends, like the Lord Jesus' kindness. He's the one that does this work in our hearts. There's no love like the love of Christ that's stronger than death. We must put all our faith and trust in Him, and not some man, not some false prophet. His compassions, friends, they fail not. But where there be prophecies, they shall fail. And whether there be tongues, they shall cease. And whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away, as it says in 1 Corinthians 13.8. But you see, friends, the love of God through Christ will never, ever fail you. His words will never fail you. His promises will never fail you. There, there, There is no broken heart, dear friends, that he cannot heal. There is no wounded conscience that he cannot cure. There is no burden too heavy that he cannot carry. Friends, we must cast all our care upon him who cares for us. All of us must repent and be converted if we would truly live. We must become serious over our sin. And understand that it is our sin that separates us from God. It is our sin, if we carry on in our sin... In habitual, continual sin. That is what will continue to separate us from God. And that's what what will will end, end us up being in hell. We must repent of it. Forsake it. And look to Christ and what he did on that cross of Calvary. The love which he did in going and bearing our sin on that cross. For wretched sinners like us. Remember dear friends that the Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. And today. And forever. He is an ever-merciful God. We can come to him in the same way that people did back in those days. Through true repentance and faith. Believe in him. Repent of your sins and be converted. Amen.